You are listening to the Therefore Geek Podcast, episode 84. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore Geek. I'm Andrew. I'm Tracy. And today we are going to be talking New York Comic Con, and it is just Tracy and I because uh, dude, now living on the, the left coast, uh, did not make it to, to New York this year with us, but Tracy and I were both able to attend, so we'll, uh, we're going to be talking about that. Despite like a billion reasons that just kept flying at us, like maybe not, maybe not. Hello, hurricane, among other things. Yeah, there was a there was a hurricane while I was gone. My house is still here. Yeah, I heard that you guys didn't even really lose power over there, which is kind of nice because a lot of a lot of people I know are still saying that Dominion hasn't gotten to them to fix it. Yeah, according to Becky, we lost power for a couple of hours, but that's about it. Oh well, I mean, it could be worse. Oh, it certainly could be worse. So what did you think of this year's convention? This year's convention felt crazier to me than the last time I was. Now, I've only been to New York Comic Con one other time, and we've talked about that on the podcast a couple of times. Um, but this one felt, each day felt more packed than maybe the off days previously. But overall, the Saturday, which I was expecting to be insane, was at least manageable. So overall, I thought as far as the crowd went, it was it was a very sizable crowd, and um, especially of course in places like the back wall that are notorious for collecting too many people going too many different directions, it was difficult to move around. But overall, I think it was definitely manageable, and if you were willing to be patient for a second or two, you could get up to any booth you really wanted to see closer. You could talk to anybody you really wanted to talk to, unless it's you know Pat Loika, because we couldn't find him. But yeah, overall, it was really good. Um, I'm, of course, as probably our listeners can tell, suffering from an attack of con crud, as is tradition. So, you know, I got that tradition covered as well. So, I mean, all around, did really well there. Hit all the high points. Yeah, so you're talking about more people. Uh, at least according to Bleeding Cool, there were over 180,000 attendees over four different venues. Good lord, Oh, that was another thing. We didn't hit the outside venues as much, but I noticed that this year, and you mentioned this while we were talking about it, that they were doing more stuff off-site, which is really cool and I think helped to deflect some of the crowd. Yeah, there was considerably more events off-site, and, and some of their much larger events. They also had, they had um, what effectively would have been main, main stage events other years at the Hammerstein Ballroom and at Madison Square Garden. So that helped yeah, a they... lot. And there were a couple things that I actually, and just a couple things that I thought, huh, I would really like to go to that. And it turns out it was offsite and I just didn't want to make the trek to that other place. But I also think that the vast majority of people there were probably New Yorkers. At least every time I was on any kind of um, public transportation, I noticed it was crammed with local people. So they would know exactly how to get there and it would probably be a lot easier for them to attend those events. Well, I don't know. If, I mean, it's not, it's not that hard. And I mean... New York has a lot of locals, but I don't know that the con is made up as much of locals as, as I think you're, you're thinking. I mean, everyone takes mass transit pretty much to get to to get to the con. It's New York City mass transit is, you know, very readily available. But I think the off-site venues just help help them keep doing big things without the main stage. You, you know, there's only so much space at the Javits Center. Yeah, and it's not going to expand, so you got to make do with what you've got. I was going to say, I think at this point they've pretty much filled out to every corner that's available right there, and um, very, and, and they're very at nearly. Yeah, 
Um, and the other thing is still with the bathroom lines, and I think that's just due to the number of attendees. And I think the guys had it a lot easier. The girls... <laughs> the guys uh, always I, have it a lot easier. Yeah, well, the thing that I was mildly annoyed at was that the co- there were a bunch of cosplayers that were changing costumes, not changing out of their regular clothes into costumes, but changing from one costume to another in the bathroom stalls, which made the ladies' line wait time about 30 minutes, which is about as long as I'm willing to wait for just about anything. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I mean, this is basically the same as getting an autograph, but it's fine. I have to pee. This is what we have to do. So, you know. Um. I will say in general, I think this year is one of the best for line management that I've ever seen. And I've gone to nine of the 11 years. I missed last year and I missed the first year. But Thursday, Thursday I got in really, really pretty quick. And we, we, I mean, we probably didn't get there until about 12 though. Friday, we waited online for probably about 45 minutes outside was it that long I, it didn't feel it, that long to me but it well, might have been i mean that's part of it so so basically at that point they had run they were they were taking people in through the, the main entrance what they call the crystal palace mm-hmm. and basically they were they they had run the line down down to the corner and down 34th street between 11th and 12th and that took us about 45 minutes because they were they were throttling people through it wasn't just like a continuous line right and then Saturday was the amazing day. I mean, I, I kind of expected to wait for a while, you know, an upwards of an hour to get on the con floor. From the time yeah. I got off the 7, seven train, which actually is a new thing for me, because last year was the first year that the subway station was actually open at 34th and, and, uh, and 11th. Yep. So I got off the 7 train and was on the convention floor in, in 15 minutes. Wow. That's right awesome. Right up to the door, right through, right through secu- right through the bag check, right through the the badge check, and right in. It was great. We actually we got out of our cab at so we were staying in a place that didn't have direct subway service. So we took a cab, and I think it must have been we walked right through. So we got out at I think thirty fourth and twelfth, and then just walked up, and um and right in. We didn't have to really wait for anything. And then Sunday I think was was that Sunday Sunday the rainy day. Yes, Sunday was the day that yeah. the rainy day. Which you know, I was thinking about this. This is probably one of the first times I've ever had inclement weather during a con. It's been either cold or it's been hot, like temperature wise, but it hasn't I can't think of a year that we've had a particular amount of, of rainfall or, or in, in years past when it was in, in winter, you know, January, February time frame that it had we had any kind of like wintry precipitation. But yeah, Sunday was probably the worst day for lines in terms of bad line management. I I caught them right as they were transitioning between entrances. So I had five different volunteers tell me five different things. Oh, like so on one corner of 11th and 34th volunteer was telling us to go straight ahead across the street. They tell us go to the right get to the door they say hey the next door is open go to that one because there's a less the shorter line get to the next door they say hey you got to go down to the green entrance on 39th so you get to 39th wait in line for about 10 minutes get through get through that get to the get to the doors they say hey go to the next set of doors because 
This one's closed. Get to the next set of doors. They say, hey, go to the next set of doors. And I finally get in. I Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Like, again, I, the whole process took me maybe 20 minutes. So like I, I was not at all upset, but I like I told one of the volunteers, I, I was walking towards the green entrance and the guy's like, hey, man, you know, like the entrance right there is closed. It's like they're telling people to come down here. And he's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're transitioning between entrances. I'm like, I, I, I realize that. I said, but I've, I've talked to four different people and gotten four different answers so far. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, at least he acknowledged it. Well, and there's, um, a, there's a difference. Like, I mean, the, if, you, if you look at the different the different people, right, there were the, the, the people in blue shirts that were like the volunteers, people in the pink shirts that were the staff. And so the staff had a much better idea of what was going on than the guys in the blue. The, blue, the guys in the blue shirts were just doing what they were told. Yeah, yeah. The, the only thing probably that, didn't only thing probably that really didn't have walkie-talkies either. Yeah, the only thing that drove me a little nuts there was that, you know, before the convention, they mail out, "Hey, when you get to the con, this is where you get off the subway. This is where this is this is where you walk. You know, you go here, then you go here. Like it, they give you the whole spiel, and then every yep. day I showed up, they pulled an audible. Yeah, yeah. Every day I showed up, it was different." And none of the days were the way, were what they sent out ahead of time. And I was like, I understand like you guys are trying to, you know, that by the time I was showing up, because again, having done this convention nine times now, I don't show up at eight o'clock in the fucking morning. Yeah. I have better yeah. things to do than stand there for two hours and wait while they, while, while we would try to wait to get in. Yeah. You show up at 1030 and I wait 10 minutes to get in and it's 1040. So I get there 40 minutes after the, the show, the door, the doors open but I only went online 10 minutes. Right, exactly. Life pro tip, folks. The other thing that I noticed this time was that there were fewer of the big epic costumes. Now, maybe I was just looking in the wrong place at the wrong time for three days. uh, I think think you were. Uh, And I want to say I looked at the New York's, like their their fan FAQ page before the show, and I wanted to say, like, during peak hours, they were not letting people with the big, big cosplays onto the floor. Ah. So they were basically relegated to the the entrance areas, in, the, the, the two out in front of the two big entrance areas. Because yeah. if you wandered around those for any, any amount of time, you would see several epic cosplays. Okay. Okay. Well, I didn't spend a whole lot of time out there. I spent most of my time either on the show floor or really in Artist Alley this year, which was kind of new to me that I didn't... Typically, when I go to shows, I spend more time on the show floor and less time in Artist Alley. And this time, for the first time, I really... The bulk of what I wanted to do happened in Artist Alley, which was pretty cool. Well, I mean, I, I kind of see that as, as just a, a general shift. Once you've done a lot of conventions, you get to know... Not, 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 I mean, yeah, hopefully you get to know people personally, but more than that, you get to know artists and writers and you get to know like, Hey, these are people I want to go and buy stuff from or interact with. Yeah. And most of the time, those kinds of people are located in artist alley. So that's where you, that's where you gravitate towards. Right. Well, and also, I mean, I have checked out the merchandise at the tower of t-shirts at this point, like 12 times. So there's only granted t-shirts come and go, but. You look at it and you go, okay, well, I already know what that booth has to offer. So you can kind of jump that one and go on to the next thing, which um, makes changes as well. Whereas I think in Artist Alley, you can see people working on commissions and you can chat with different people. And I don't know, there were even people in Artist Alley that I realized after the show were there that I would have wanted to talk to if I had realized they were there. 
Yeah, I think Artist Alley, year to year, once like once a show hits a certain point, and I think, I think New York has hit that point, and it's not necessarily like the same point for every show, but I think there's a point at which Artist Alley becomes far more dynamic than the rest of the convention floor. Yeah, the rest yeah. of the convention floor, it's pretty much the same same people, same fare. Artist Alley, a you get a lot of changeover with like independent folks, and then you also just. Yeah, people do different stuff through the course of a year. Uh, New York, yeah. New York has the one benefit of having what they call the block, which is like the the, the centralized indie publishing stuff, and that also tends to have a fair amount of turnover. That that area, and I guess it's still kind of part of the block, kind of the forward end of like the low number aisles. You know, like one hundred to like a thousand ish. And that tends to be a lot of like weird craft kind of stuff or like small vendor kind of things. And that's kind of, that tends to be cool too. Yeah. I had a lot of fun over in that section. And I, for whatever reason, when I'm exploring the show floor, I always end up going to that section last. But um, it, I'm assuming that's, that's the area where uh, we did that VR comics experience. Um, that was sort of on the break between the two. I, I was actually thinking like, more towards the front than than even that but you're right like that kind of stuff was there too that was actually that was really cool that was the first time i'd ever done vr and it was far more interesting and effective than i thought it was going to basically it was it was an app that lets you demo virtual reality uh comics like comic like regular comics but they were done with 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 virtual reality kind of stuff involved that was really really cool so I've done VR a couple of other times and it can be a really great experience or it can be a really poor experience depending on whether or not the developer really utilizes all of the elements of VR. And I wasn't sure what to expect from a comic book using VR. I mean, inherently it's kind of the comic book is on the page, right? It's like a series of storyboards for a movie. The actual movie is a very different thing. But these were really cool in that they were, especially um, the first one that I, I looked through was sort of a fantasy setting, kind of like Dark Castle. If you've ever been to Bush Gardens, it was almost like the Dark Castle ride where the large, like two page, what would have been a two page spread was actually all the way around you in a 360 degree view. So you could turn completely around and look behind you and see more elements of this. It, the The image itself was a picture of a huge room in a castle with a roaring fire and a man and a woman sitting in front of it. And directly behind you, you could see more of the room, bookshelves, a big rug. It was just... And you were sort of suspended in space looking around at this cool thing. And then they were able to actually superimpose uh, smaller frames on top of it to make the whole thing a single dynamic experience. And that was not what I was expecting at all. And the sound as well just made for it, it was really, really cool. And um, it's available for regular Android and iOS as well. So you don't have to have a VR headset to, to use this app, although I'm sure it's way cooler if you have one. So I'll be definitely downloading that. That's one of the big things for me to take away from the con. Yeah. I, my only hesitation with doing comics like that is is similar. And it's, it's, I say this in the fact that I read digital comics almost exclusively now. Yeah. But, you know, similar to like the guided view in digital comics, 
is that breaking up the page layout like that, you I think you lose something of the comic. You know, the the way the panels are laid out and things like that is designed for pacing and 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 the like and I think you lose some of that yeah not viewing the, the pages as a whole. I I agree and it didn't look like there was an option to observe the page as a whole at the end when you come to the end of a, a page's worth of panels like you can in some guided views. Yeah, although admittedly we were we were doing a demo so there may that that may exist and we just they didn't have that feature available cuz it's not a particularly interesting feature. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that I was going to say is right now, one of the other things that I like about it is that right now they're offering a couple of hundred free comics and these are real comics. They're not, um, they're not sort of an indie comic that was developed just to show off this VR. These are actual comics that, um, including Spectrum, there were a Civil War II, I believe was in there. Um, so real comics and they're all offered for free right now. So we'll throw that in the show notes because it's just one of the more interesting things that we were able to try out. Yeah. So, so Tracy, what was your favorite part of the convention? I think overall, this year my favorite part was just wandering around in Artist Alley and being able to t- talk to people like Ben Gall, talk to Chris Claremont. We got to meet him again. Um, talk to uh, Brian Clevenger of the Atomic Robo. Talk to David Peterson for a little while. Uh, it was really good to just like talk to individuals. Unfortunately, there were a couple of our friends from the Hampton Roads area, Eric Donovan and Micah Myers. Uh, both of whom have been on the podcast before, and I was not able to actually bump into either of them, but I knew that they were there. Uh, the other thing that I have to yeah, say I, was... I say similarly with Sam Ellis, I, I tried to hunt down Sam Ellison. He was unfortunately uh, ill that day, so... Yeah, it, it, it's disappointing, but at the same time, I mean, these those particular people, it's nice that they're close to home so we can see them at, at closer events. But... Another cool thing that we did that was really not on the show floor and actually was not a part of the New York Comic Con thing at all, but was a part of my New York experience, was that we got to go to the Heart and Brain Gut Instincts lunch party at the Strand Bookstore and got to meet um, Nick Selleck, who's the author of the Awkward Yeti books, which was really, really cool. The guy was really, really nice, uh, very friendly answered a whole bunch of people's questions. They had these amazing little chocolate coffee balls things that were covered in sprinkles, and they were amazing. It was like the richest brownie you've ever had, but with coffee. It was so good. I had, I think, three of them. Yeah, that, w- that um, was a lot of fun, and I, I enjoyed being able to introduce you to The Strand. The Strand is so, I mean, honestly, one evening is not enough, especially just post-party, is just not enough to do justice to browsing the strand. It, there was a whole section. I mean, I really only got to properly look at one section. It was the classic section on the main floor towards the back. And I mean, beautiful leather bound books. The other cool thing that I found was that they put, they will, are willing to buy books and they put used books and new books on the shelves together. So you're able to find kind of a mix and, to me, it's almost like adopting a dog, right? Adopting a book that's been previously loved. I think it's I think it's important. <laughs> it's something we should all do. <laughs> so yeah, needless to say, I absolutely love the strand. Cannot wait to go back and explore it more. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get a, a disagreement on me. They're also really good for like out of print stuff. I picked up five books, so I went there 
right after I arrived in New York City and picked up a few books and then picked up two more books while while we were there and I, and all five of them were out of print so oh that's awesome uh, another I, thing that oh sorry oh no, go ahead Another thing that I got to do while I was there that was kind of a surprise, I knew going to New York Comic Con, I had a list of three things that I wanted to accomplish. Uh, One of them was getting some early Wolverine books signed by Chris Claremont. One of them was picking up all the the brand new hardcovers from Atomic Robo. They had all of their hardcovers there. Unfortunately, they were sold out of two of them when I got there, but I was able to pick up the majority of the series. Beautiful hardcovers. But the other thing I wanted to do was pick up a couple more books by David Peterson in the Mouse Guard series, which I have been collecting for my nephew. Now, my nephew's only five years old, so he is not at all ready to read Mouse Guard, but I am keeping those books lovingly safe on my shelf until such time as he is old enough to read them. And, of course, I read them because I'd be a terrible aunt if I were recommending something I hadn't read myself, right? So we went to David Peterson's booth. We purchased a couple of them. And I, while I was there, I asked him... So I asked his wife, who was meeting the booth, if she had any more copies of the black and white collector's editions that he's been putting out of his books slowly, one at a time. And she said she did not have them at her booth, but uh, Arkea and Boom Studios had them upstairs. So I was actually able to get my hands on a copy of Winter 1152, the black and white collector's edition. I had him sign it. He did this great little drawing of a mouse in the front uh, flyleaf for me. So that was actually a surprise to me, but was really, really cool. So now I have a book for me, and my nephew is welcome to his copies of Mouse Guard when the time comes. Most excellent. Yeah, I think probably one of my favorite things was I went to a panel on the history of Tetris. Actually, it was the only panel I actually got to this year. Uh, A lot of the panels I wanted wanted to get to were early in the morning and just didn't didn't quite make it, or they were full up, which, which is fine. But this one was on the history of Tetris, and they uh, it was really really fascinating. And you know there was a, there was a moderator who knew some of the informa- who knew some about the topic, and then there were two guys who had actually just written books on the, on the subject. Oh, nice! That's the best panel to be in. Well, and what I love about a panel like that, or just in, about this in general, is that we are getting this kind of increase in books about geek topics and geek history. I mean, I've got several. I've got like Marvel, the untold story. There's a couple of books on Superman of Dyson men, which is a history of uh, D and D. I've actually, I've got another, another, um, I've got a, a, a biography of Gary Gygax. There's a history of wonder woman book. That's really good. But there's a number of these kinds of books that are, scholarly work on this on the subjects and i was really happy to get get my hands on two more about tetris one's called the games we play tetris and it's actually a graphic novel uh history of tetris much like the comic book history of comic books although by different people and then the other one is the book is called the tetris effect the game that hypnotized the world so yeah, that was probably the, the highlight of the convention for me. It was just, it was a really interesting panel. The guys were great. I got both books, got them signed. It was it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. I also and we met we met John Scalzi. I did. You know, I did. I was I got to meet a few fun people. I got to meet John Scalzi, uh, who I am a huge fan of his books. Uh, we got to meet Meg Turney, 
who I am also yes. a big fan of her work. Uh, she is significantly shorter than I anticipated. She's way smaller than I expected. I thought she, cause, I mean, she's so athletic, you know? So I always figured she was one of those really tall, you know, runner type girls. You know, I, I really totally figured that she would dwarf me. Yeah. But she's absolutely tiny, which makes you wonder, and now I wonder, how much smaller Trisha Hirschberger is since she is significantly shorter than Meg Turney. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I got I, on a personal level. I got to to catch up with a few friends I haven't seen some of them in almost ten years. So that was really nice. Uh, yeah. So, so Tracy, what was your? Uh, I think I already know the answer to this one. I think we've already talked about this, but what was your 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 best find for the convention? Best find was probably the black and white edition of the David Peterson book. But while I was actually at boom studios, I was looking over the array of books that they had there. And this is a dangerous thing to do guys. So when you're at a convention, expect to spend money. It just, it's going to happen. Um, but I saw, yeah, I, I saw that they know. had, I, I did the first New York comic con I ever went to on $120 and I don't know how. how wow. Now, keeping in mind one, I was a really broke college student and two, that's actually what got me into comics, so I didn't know what the fuck I was doing at the time. So that helps. Oh, that yeah, helps you not spend money. <laughs> $120 goes a long way. I was gonna say I went in knowing that I was go I was I was planning to spend two hundred and fifty and I spent considerably more than that. So um but I knew I was buying like a full set of one one series and three or four books out of another series. So, you know, um, but I actually found all of Jim Henson's The Storyteller books, and I ended up just going ahead and getting the first one. This is published by Arkea right now, and it's a graphic novel. It's fairly small, so it's going to be really nice and easy to read, but um, I'm a fan of Jim Henson anyway, and I'm really excited to read these. And then another thing that I kind of picked up on a whim in Artist Alley is this book called Dracopedia, A Guide to Drawing the Dragons of the World by William O'Connor. And William O'Connor's art really struck me as I was walking by. He had a diagram of the Nautilus, the book from 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea, um, sitting out, and he also had a really cool... Uh, it almost looked like an oil painting of a woman with in kind of a, a sky gear. Think World War One. Uh, biplane fighter standing next to a huge bird that I would have thought of as in fantasy as a rock ROC but he had it listed as a girl and her war griffin so and it was this huge I mean gigantic framed picture that I just I really loved it it really hit me as a fan of fantasy that line between ornate and really good quality work and so I kind of got stuck looking at all of his prints and just really loving everything that was on his table and ended up buying this book. So um, the cool thing is, is it's not just an art book. It's not just like a sketchbook, but it actually has a demonstration of how to digitally draw these dragons. Now, my art is, of course, nowhere close to being able to actually do this. But if I were an artist, this would be really, really super helpful on literally talking about how to layer things, how to draw the eye to one aspect or a different aspect of your painting. It was really, really cool. So those were kind of the offbeat things that I didn't expect to pick up and ended up loving. Nice. So I, as I mentioned, I got the two Tetris books, which are I'm really happy to add to my, my collection of, of geek culture 
books. And and I got, you know, the the obligatory uh, Marvel books to add to my to my growing library and whatnot. Honestly, you managed to lug all of your stuff home too, didn't you? You didn't even have to ship any of it. I couldn't yeah, believe that. Yeah, that's actually the impressive part. And and I got a Black Canary bombshell home in one piece, which, under normal circumstances, not that impressive. But the fact that it had no packing material in it, like the guys like threw out the styrofoam. So that is terrifying. That's every collector's is. nightmare. I can't even. I'm, yeah. I'm surprised that she made it home, but I'm super glad because I know you've had your eye on that piece for a while. That is one I have been looking for for quite some time. Uh, but yeah, Jess and I did, did, did a quality job of packing that up and 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 got it got it home in one piece. Honestly, yeah, as much as I enjoyed like the stuff I got, and I got some good stuff. Uh, I think I had the most fun running around taking pictures and just getting to see some people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I spent some coin. Like I I dropped some some coin. Yeah. But m- more than that, I just yeah, I didn't go to a whole lot of panels. I didn't do a whole lot of that kind of stuff. You know, I bought I bought stuff kind of periodically throughout the weekend. Didn't go on any kind of buying spree. And then I just ran around with my camera and took pictures and just kind of immersed myself in 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 the in the con and. Yeah, we were talking about this a little bit. I think this is probably going to be my last major convention for a couple of years. And I I think I'm going to go into this more in an actual blog post. But having done as many as I have in the last few years, you know, it's been less the last couple of years, but you know, 2014 I did 10 conventions, which is a lot, including four yeah. four including four major conventions. That year I did Baltimore, Phoenix, Emerald City, and New York. Yeah. But but a seven like I really enjoy the culture and everything around it. But it gets to me a little bit much. And when you just kind of go as like, all right, it's to, it's a convention I'm I'm going because it's it's what I do. You know, I'm almost feeling like I've lost a little bit of the magic. Yeah. So I think a couple of years break will be will be good for me. Yeah, I, I it's funny that you say that because I was kind of getting some of the same. And of course, I've gone to nowhere near the number of conventions that you have. But I was starting to get to the same point where I looked at. So Kurt went with us and I looked at Kurt and I said, I just didn't see that many cosplay costumes that made my jaw drop. And he looked at me like I had grown an extra head and said, are you kidding me? They're everywhere. But he's only been going to conventions really for the last year, and he's never gone to anything as big as New York Comic Con. So maybe it's just that I'm slowly getting jaded, but I think I'm starting to get to be in the same boat as you are with that. I I wouldn't even call it jaded. It just because it's still. I mean, I still love it. It is still a magnificent thing, but it feels it feels more routine than it does special. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I guess it's it's one of those, this is what I do, kind of deals, and I want it to feel like a treat again. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see, but uh, this will certainly be my last New York for a couple of years, just because it's expensive and it, it's for someone who is not particularly comfortable 
in large groups of people. I, I am I am socially overwhelmed for about the next six months. <laughs> yes, I know that feeling like, like, absolutely. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I, I'm I'm still kind of coming off of the off of the buzz the, the social buzz, but by the end of the week, I'm just gonna be talking to my coworkers and grunts. Yeah. Well, I we haven't I haven't even turned on the TV since I got back. Like I don't want any more verbal inputs. Um, I've basically like ignored everybody at work. I'm like hunched over my desk doing my work, trying to ignore everybody. So yeah, I I feel you on that. Yeah, but again, like I said, all, all said and done, this was actually a very good year. Um, probably certainly top half of the years I've gone. I don't know that it's. Yeah, maybe, 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 honestly, maybe four or five. This this really was a pretty solid year. But yeah, it was New York Comic Con. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I just put up pictures. Uh, this podcast is coming out on Wednesday, so I just put up pictures yesterday, today, which will be yesterday for those of you listening. So I mean, make sure you go check them out. There's a lot. There's a lot of cool stuff out there. Yep. It's such a spectacle. It really is. It's it's amazing. I was lucky enough to get pretty cheap airfare, so I was actually able to fly in and out, which is all of – I mean, at most, you spend 45 minutes in the air, which is super easy to get to. Definitely worth the time that it took to get there. Yep. Well, all right, folks, if you like what we do, make sure you head on over to thereforegeek.com. Check out our blog posts and our podcasts. You can find us on on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Once again, I'm Andrew. And I'm Tracy with a stuffed up nose. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek.